This conference is being recorded. Welcome, everyone. Tonight is Wednesday, July 29, 2009. Welcome to the Dream the Biggest Dream weekly teleconference. Tonight, lessons from the front line with a very special guest. And before we get to introduce him, I wanted to just touch on a couple of things uh, leading, leading into his wonderful topic this evening. I have to tell you that the last week since our last call has been truly, truly amazing for me. Um, the last call, prior to the last call, we had the influx of energy from the total solar eclipse in uh, Asia. And tonight's call, uh, we are still feeling the energy from the Fire the Grid 2 meditation yesterday, a uh, particular opening of energy um, further um, energized, if you will, by hundreds of thousands of people around the world meditating at the same time. I am telling you, these are incredibly exciting times for all of us to be a part of. And I think what we're going to see um, is more and more of these uh, group um, energy dynamics of these windows popping up that we can all be part of. So, so really pay attention to what's going on. When these things happen, like yesterday with the Fire the Grid, you know, don't hesitate. Jump right in there. Whether you are fully in alignment with what the, they talked about with Fire the Grid and the, the energy opening, just the fact that there are thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of us meditating and, and putting our energy forth into the universe at the same time, these are the opportunities that we came back to be part of. So, you know, look at your schedules when these things happen, free up the time, and, and put your energy forth for all of this, because this is really what it's all about. So, tonight is a very special call. Um, our guest this evening, i got to look at this, because... Uh, He's got more initials, <laughs> more designations after his name than just about anyone I know. Um, Zen Benefil has been on our call. Um, we did a two-part call earlier this year um, with Zen, and we, or I, I guess maybe it was the end of last year. Uh, he's also participated um, as a uh, listener and um, as uh, just energetically um, being there for feedback in uh, a couple of the calls this year. And um, he's an author, a coach, consultant, and a facilitator with a passion for education and facilitating partnerships through charismatic and transformational leadership. And um, I got to tell you, it's, um, this is one amazing being, and I am absolutely honored 
absolutely honored to have him participating in tonight's call. Lessons from the front line. Tonight's topic with Zen is recognizing yourself. Through all the trials and tribulations each of us have, there's a pearl of wisdom in the knowing of self that releases attachment. Imagine what could happen if there was no attachment to fear or identity. Zen, take it away and, 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 and just take us there. We're ready. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> Namaste. Um, for those unfamiliar, just in case, that's a Sanskrit greeting, which actually originated from the Brahmi language, which is the spoken before the written. And it means the divine in me recognizes the divine in you. Uh, or in some Form, that which is in me worships that which is within you as being one. The Mayans have another phrase for that, and that is inlakech. It's I-N-L-E-K tilde E-C-H, and it means I am another you. So in the discovery of self, we have the opportunity to find that stillness within that is talked about in all spiritual texts and any spiritual teaching, that's the place of the beginning of the discovery of self. In the depths of that stillness, some call it the void, is the voice of being. When we center and focus in that place with the question of who am I, what am I, what am I here to do, all of those answers spring from that place. Now, how does that happen? Most often, it happens in the outer world around us as we begin that journey and we become observant of our participation and the reflection from the world around us, we can be in that, and I say be, not do or have, and let me digress for just a moment to explain that. The world is caught in the do-have duality. We think we have to do in order to have, and the more we have, the more we got to do to keep it up, and yada, yada, yada. Vicious circle. What's missing is the being. In that place of being, all those things that are for us to do appear, and we simply need to put one foot in front of the other. It's really that simple. What we tend to do is get lost in the chatter. Now, I have been, let me put it this way. I've been blessed since a young child, set up, if you will, 
I was adopted at six weeks. So I had six weeks to learn that I, on a cellular level, didn't belong. I saw many other energy beings come and go, belonging somewhere. I was waiting. So I got the impression at a deep level that although I belonged, I was here in the physical, I really didn't belong because nobody had taken me home. So I didn't recognize that until much later in life when I discovered a belief system that I had of, I have a lot to offer, but you're going to reject me. So I manifested that for 40-some-odd years in various ways, from being institutionalized because I decided I was going to buy a couple sets of drums and spend my room and board money on it for college and then ended up having to move out and got beat up at a frat house and ended up at the hospital. And so my parents decided, oh, we've got to save our son. And consequently, um, the psychiatrist uh, put every label that he could think of on me and they started pumping me full of Thorazine. Well, the interesting thing was that the Thorazine really had no effect. Instead of being, you know, 2,000 milligrams and and four times, or 500 milligrams four times a day, was enough to knock a horse out. I was up playing ping pong, beating the male nurses. So there was something different. Now, once I recognized that, and here's a reflection of self, thank you, (laughs) I realized that in order for me to be released, I needed to tell the psychiatrist what he wanted to hear. My personal truth was irrelevant. So from that perspective, the world was teaching me that I needed to lie. I was incapable. What I learned was that in order to give him what he wanted to hear, I had to set myself aside and say, okay, here it is. And immediately there was a quote-unquote miracle cure, and they began reducing my medication, and I was out in a short time. I also saw there my other reflections in the people on the ward that were not being heard either. So it it left an indelible impression of compassion that I carried and still carry. Most recently, I'll fast forward through all the, the trials and tribulations. Most recently, as a transformational life coach, uh, I had put out a request to get a dynamic coach or to attract a dynamic coach for me to help me step up into what I knew my mission to be. And this was discovered when I was a teenager. I got down on my knees and I prayed to know what truth was and I was willing to give my life, if necessary, to know it. A week later I was meditating 
voice that I'd been familiar with since a child asked me if I was willing to die for what I believed in. I thought for a nanosecond, cosmic consciousness, Christ consciousness, yes. Immediately, uh, I felt myself leave my body. Of course, it was facilitated by some music I was listening to, of which the timing was absolutely impeccable. (laughs) And so next thing, I'm looking back, my body's laying across the dorm room bed. I was living in the honors dorm at Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana, Dave Letterman's alma mater. And when I looked to see where I was going, I was immediately engulfed by white light. No tunnel, no other beings, nothing, just pure white light. I felt like I was home at last. However, as an impetuous teenager, it got really boring really quick. And I thought to myself, wow, is there more? I felt a movement. I found myself in a sphere of pinpoints of light with an indigo background. I knew those points of light to be points of consciousness, whether in body or not. I wasn't sure because I knew I wasn't. And the voice picked back up and said simply, these are those that you are to work with in order to facilitate the new world order. It will happen in your lifetime. Know this to be true. Your path will be full of trials and tribulations. Have faith and trust that everything you need will be there at the appointed time. Trust and allow. And on the W, I felt another rush of energy, and I'm at that point back in my body taking a very deep breath. That whole experience was probably minute 45 maybe, I think is what the vamp lasted on that song. Uh, <laughs> by, by the way, if you folks uh, know of a band called Journey, this was prompted by their first album, a song called In the Morning Day. Uh, their drummer, Easley Dunbar, is one of my favorites. I've, I'm actually a drummer myself, and so I copied a lot of his licks. Um, so I was 18. I'm now 52. Just recently when this coach appeared, and I have to say, there, <laughs> again, the divine setup. Uh, my wife, Robin, had left to go to Europe for three weeks. She's a gifted school teacher at an elementary here. Uh, Power Ranch, and she was gone maybe two days. I get an email from a gentleman that had found me on eCademy and friended me on Facebook because he found out I had responded to a a blog in eCademy. He saw my answer thought, hmm, he's one that I can deal with, I think, and so initiated the contact. I saw where he was at, made a phone call, we met within 30 seconds of our meeting. He says, okay, what are you? And he's looking at me like there is no other answer than what I know myself to be. And so I replied, I am. So it went from it being the experience Uh, went into a process. Now, a little bit about this gentleman. 
if any of you are familiar with Werner Earhart and the EST training from the 70s that evolved into Landmark Forum. This gentleman was Werner's right-hand man for about 10 years. He'd also been in Russia right after the wall came down and was introduced to the kind of second-tier folks that had just taken off their military uniforms and put on business suits. And so he made, I think, 13 trips at least a couple of weeks at a time uh, over the next year or so to facilitate their understanding of how to work together. Because in, in Russia, nobody trusted each other, period. And so he was helping them to kind of get comfortable with maybe being able to trust each other. Um, so this was the kind of, and, and he also had been a uh, business consultant for Fortune 100 companies facilitating organizational change. So there's no room for any avoidance, deviation, deflection, or <laughs> anything of that nature with this man. And it was the perfect experience for me. I listened well. I recognized myself and the deflections that I had. And I don't know if any of you have seen my picture, but it's the one that you've probably seen. I have a beard. Um, my hair's a little long, not real long, but I've got a couple of earrings, dangly earrings on. And so in the process of this, I recognized that my beard, the earrings, the hair were all distractions that I used to play without being taken seriously. So they're all gone. Now, what I learned about me in that process was and I already knew I really didn't like to shave. <laughs> but I, I shaved my beard. I left my mustache and goatee. And in our next conversation, I recognized that that goatee and mustache was my parian thrust. So in other words, I was still using it to listen, but yet my ability to construct logical postulates, let's say, was still there. So there was a part of me that still had ego. There is no ego without we go in this new order. It's all about we go. The personality, the ego, the I drops away. So when I shaved the goatee, I became clearer and I was able to listen at deeper levels. I also had a chuckle, which was kind of um, deflection, which when I would say something of importance, I would chuckle afterwards as though, yeah, I just said this, but you're not going to buy it kind of thing. Um, and also there was a little bit of ego there saying, you know, aren't I cool? 
um, unnecessary. So after uh, Robin got back from Europe last week, I still had the mustache. And uh, she had let her daughter borrow the car, and she ran out of gas, but that the fuel pump had went out, so we went to take care of that. And her son was with us, and he noticed a difference. And I said, what do you think? He says, I don't like the 70s porn stash. <laughs> so I lost it. <laughs> now, in this process, I have to say there has been, and I've mentioned the, the Mayan calendar on previous calls, um, there's an ordination, if you will, of those of us who have incarnated here from across the universe to usher in the new age by whatever name you want to call it. And as we come together, there are ideas, concepts, projects, productions, all of those kinds of things that are going on all over the world right now. As we continued in our coaching, it was not really just the coaching that was important, but what could be done after that. And so the fulfillment of the Mayan prophecy, which is also aligned with the Egyptian and Sumerian calendars, so it's not just the Western Hemisphere. There are nine cycles. We've been through seven of them, the last one being the cycle of power. And if you want to know more about this, you can look up uh, Ian Lungold or Mayan Magics, I think, um, with a J. Uh, actually, if you Google Ian Lungold, you'll be able to find that information. Uh, at any rate, uh, the last cycle was that of power, which allowed us as humans to create darn near everything without regard for human or um, any living being, for that matter. So once that cycle completed, we moved into a cycle known as ethics. What do you think might happen with that? Well, what we can see just simply by looking around is that all the systems that were built that were not in the order of humanitarian service, or shall I be so bold as to say were not based in love, are falling apart, right and left. We're going to have to do anything to observe that. What is happening, and this is all one of the reasons, uh, it's also incorporating the um, exposure of the secret, is the ability, capacity that we have to manifest what we think and feel strongly. We're learning that. 
at the beginning of the next cycle, don't know this for sure, this is my sense of what's going to happen, it's called conscious co-creation. So in that place, we don't necessarily have a choice in what we create. We've already chosen that by what we think and feel strongly, and it's going to show up in our face. At that point, we have a choice to recognize it and to change whatever it is that's inside of us, which when you're in that place of stillness, it's going to automatically appear and shift ourselves into that place of transformation, which happens in an instant. It's not a process. A blink of an eye. I think there's a lot of other phrases that go along with that. What it gives us the option of doing is choosing love on a constant basis in every moment and to be here now. Now being a newly ordered world since we have been able to make that shift. So as my own transformation has occurred in this, the opportunities to create a wave, if you will, of 50 million people of the 6.5 billion that can align themselves with this consciousness through several methods, one being a web portal that demonstrates those who are doing the work and shares the message without a personality involved. It's kind of like, you know, if Homer Simpson gets it, we got a winner. If he doesn't, we missed the boat. So ultimately, those 50 million subscribers, and this is our current Mobius operandi, if you will, those 50 million subscribers equate to a buck a month. Our goal is to have them by 12-20-2012. Now that does a couple of things. First of all, it creates that momentum, and it sounds like a lot. However, if you Google Spirituality New Age and 2012, you'll get approximately 335 million results total. 50 million is only 15% of that. So it's conceivably very doable. And with state-of-the-art presentation using the works of others who are totally aligned with this, all those pieces are there. All we're doing is putting them together. We don't have to recreate anything. And it's a function of being. Now, on the ground, we have had several meetings recently uh, with several nonprofits, and I'm also on the board of directors for American Society for Training and Development 
as their web director for the local chapter. But there's a project that we are initiating called Dignity Centers. What this means is from the listening that my coach had working with homeless people as a volunteer coach for a year, and basically all he did was listen and help them reframe their view of life. And, of course, in that process, many you know, got places to live, got jobs, brought themselves up out of the whatever they were in and ascended in that way. But the three things that they said they wanted most or needed most, number one was a shower. Number two, a place to store their things. And number three, a laundry. So by being able to clean themselves up, imagine the effect of once being shunned because of your stench and appearance and being held at arm's length, not able to enter some places because of that, now that's no longer there. The wonderful thing about this is that it's a green project. It uses the labor pool of those who are already homeless to build their own facility, manage it, and be an example to the rest of the world. And what better place to do that than downtown Phoenix, rising from the ashes or from the streets, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So these are the kinds of things that my own transformation has allowed me to step into. I was concerned about my own income in the process because I left a good job last October as a general tech for Performing Arts Center. And fortunately, my wife has a job. But she has allowed me to take a little time myself, and I've been very fortunate and blessed to be able to do that. What is also happening is that um, there was a period of budget cuts for the state. Part of my income was derived, a major part of my income had been derived from doing uh, partnering facilitations for road and bridge construction projects for Arizona Department of Transportation. It's been a year and a half since I've had any of that work. I got a phone call last Friday. I've got a workshop in Tucson tomorrow. Pays very well. Gives me enough to go through the next couple of months. So when you, my point is that when you are in alignment with not just who you are, but what you are, which is a divine celestial consciousness that has condensed into this form here now with the potential of, I'm going to go so far as to say, never tasting death again. 
explain that. I don't know if anybody remembers a passage, um, and I don't mean to get religious on you, and it's not my intent, but there's a passage that um, that Jesus was said to have said, or written to have said, in which he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, truly I say unto thee, if ye shall listen to my words, ye shall not taste death. Well, those words come from the depth of that being. And in that place of being, our frequency comes up. We have a history of the cycles of birth and death and reincarnation, and we all know that they can that they are consistent until we, quote-unquote, get it. Well, what is getting it? Getting it is being able to transcend the physical world. There are no boundaries. There's no separation. There is only one. There are many levels of one. Some of us are aware that there are many bodies that we have on other planes, dimensions, and so forth that are connected to this dense physical form. And yet, there is something within us that tells us that there's more, that we have a freedom that we haven't been able to experience So we have the opportunity as we close out this galactic year to enter the next galactic year with the ability and capacity that's illustrated in the end of or the last section of the Celestine Prophecy, which is where the monk is able to go into another dimension and return in front of these folks that are observing him. Now, what gives me more foundation in that sense or that knowing is that earlier in my life I've had experiences of bilocating that were verified by the people that I went to see. One actually acknowledged that I grabbed him by the shoulders and sat him up in bed 2,000 miles away. He opened his eyes up, and there was my face. Behind my face was his, uh, the girl that he had dated in college the year before. Didn't know where she was at. week and a half later, he got a postcard from her, had the Krishna camp in Santa Barbara circled, it was a Krishna Camp postcard, obviously. And all it had on it in her handwriting was enjoyed the conversation. Hmm. So I was 19 at that time. Right after my divorce in 1988, I was at a friend's house in Prescott. And this was over New Year's. I forget exactly whether it was the New Year's Day or, or, or just after. But I got up in the middle of the night and had to pee really bad. And I opened my bedroom door, which 
had been um, there was an entrance into the living room that had an archway. There was no wall. I could have opened the door and walked right straight out into the living room. What happened was I opened the door, took three steps, and ran into a wall. I looked around for the light switch. I flipped it on. I was on the other side of the house in front of the bathroom. To this day, that was an instantaneous, naive, didn't know it was possible (laughs) experience that showed me what was possible. Now, I've also known that even if these things happen and when they happen, there's a certain level of wisdom that I didn't feel that I had. So I respected what they were and acknowledged that it was just an example of the possibilities that exist. Now, Zan, let me ask you a question and kind of looking at the clock. And um, I want to ask you, what can we do as individuals, those of us on the call or that listen to this later, what can we do as individuals to further our own process of recognizing who we truly are? I mean, should I pop my earrings out tonight and shave my goatee? Oh, no, not at all. It's all, it's all going to come back to my <laughs> ponytail. You know, I, I, um, you know, it's like um, the old adage, in order to find yourself, you've got to lose yourself. So I had to lose everything that I was attached to. And I love my long hair. I love my beard. I love my earrings. I even love that Christ pendant that used to be around my neck that I've worn since I was 17 that I no longer wear now either because I don't need the identifier. As long as my mind was diverted, I was not fully able to be because I would always want to reference something somewhere. So is it our intuition that should be guiding us in this, in our individual process of this? Absolutely. I used to tell my daughter when she was younger to listen to her belly. If she ever had any questions, all she needed to do was listen to her belly. And if it was a, you know, a serious question or concern, that her belly would talk to her. And she understood that. So the intuition is that voice that I was talking about in that place of being. You can call it the still small voice. You can call it your higher self. There's all kinds of labels that you can put on it. I would encourage you to put none on it and just recognize that it's you. Awesome. Here's what I'd like to do. 
at this point because I'd like to give people a little opportunity to ask questions if they have some questions or something like that. Um, so just quickly before we um, unmute the lines, um, it is um, a, uh, one of the things I do for everyone that's on the call is make my um, 21 Days to Change, the Conscious Creation Program. Um, it's an experiential workbook to make that available to anyone that's on this call or listens to the podcast afterwards. Um, available to them at no cost. You can get that by going to www.dreamthebiggestdream.com forward slash free. I highly recommend um, taking a shot at this. Um, going through the 21 days and watching how your life changes. Also, uh, as of last week, we, uh, with these lessons from the front line, we are um, part of the iTunes podcast. The very easiest way for you to get access to that is to um, go into your iTunes program and go to the iTunes store and search Mark Peebler. You can also do Dr. Dream or Dream the Biggest Dream, but Mark Peebler cuts through all the different uh, things that come up and takes you right to that particular podcast. Um, I would highly recommend that. <laughs> it is, um, it's nice to have it all available, and particularly for our um, connections that cannot easily make this phone call. <clears throat> our friends out of the country in different parts of the globe. So um, that was a, a big deal for us last week. Uh, also last week we had a very um, touching, um, very moving uh, group energy session in La Jolla. And please watch as we take these uh, to other areas. I imagine we'll be in Phoenix in the next couple of months with one. We'll be back in San Diego August 15th for one, and um, we're working out some dates um, to go up to Los Angeles with this experience. So at this point, let me unmute the lines, and anyone that has any questions for Zen or any comments, anything at all that serves all of our highest good, this would be your opportunity. And now we're unmuted. Anybody have anything? Zen, you, you explained everything so well. No, nobody has any questions or feedback tonight. I think they're Hi. being in that stillness. <laughs> That's right. Anyone? Hi. Who's this? That's Tracy. I don't have any questions. I'm just listening. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're on. Um, I got, again, Julie. go ahead. Julie, I got in a little late, so a lot of it was over my head, but I understood the listening to the belly part and the, the um, I guess, I guess the love part, but um, a lot of it was over my head. <laughs> well, the nice thing is this is, this will be available as of um, about an hour from now um, through iTunes and through the link in yeah. the uh, Dream the Biggest Dream um, group on Facebook. But um, I really want to 
if I could. Go ahead. Um, yep. Feel free to connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn um, or visit my website. It, it's bethedream-lifecoach.com or you can Google Zen Benefield. Um, I'm open, willing to answer uh, whatever questions that you might have. Uh, I'll usually give you a couple of comments and throw a question back at you. And I like the Socratic method because uh, as an educator, I'm just drawing out what is already inside of you. And I apologize for the over-the-headness. There's a lot that's flowing through me, and unfiltering it is, or filtering it for mass consumption sometimes is a real challenge. And so I appreciate your listening and your feedback. I was late, too. I got on the call like 20 minutes late. So I, I will listen to it again, and then I'll, I'll email you. Super. Hi, Zen. This is Billy from Havity Grace, Maryland. Hi, Billy. And I just wanted to say thank you very much and that I totally understood everything that you said. I just actually downloaded the Celestine um, Prophecy as well as the second book in the uh, series, and I'm hoping you get the rest of them from Amazon, the audios, so that I can listen to them. And I just have one question for you. Okay. And that is, when you began this journey and the way at which you perceived yourself fell away, how did you um, approach your family and other people who knew you to be one way, and now that you've changed it's hard for them to accept you because they only see you as they thought you to be. That's a great question. Uh, It has a few answers, and I'll try to be brief. One is that I was working as a machinist, a meat cutter, and playing in a band, and one week's time everything fell through. This is when I was living in Indiana. Uh, I had a, a wife and one child and one on the way, and I walked out on the front porch, and I threw my arms up at the sun, and I said, okay, I'm listening. Where do you want me to go? I literally heard Phoenix. So that was one way for me to leave that old life behind, clean cut. Now, once I got out here and I continued in my marriage, it proved to be one that I learned a lot from, and I went into some depths of compassion and um, and being that I I wouldn't wish on anyone, and I was able to make it through that. And when my wife or my ex-wife took our children, uh, our four children, moved back to Indiana, I was given a clean slate, so to speak, as to my own being so I was allowed to explore and I had just left the aerospace industry I was a production control coordinator uh, in charge of seven million dollars a month in shipments for spare parts so I left that and I began hosting discussion groups and working with an organization here called the New Age Alliance 
we put on a, the Valley's first large metaphysical conference at the Biltmore. Um, and so that transition allowed me to at least get more comfortable and, and realign with my spiritual path. But because of the cancel the butt and was able Excuse me. To, sure. And I was able to um, still let's see how I can put this. Um, there was a lot of growth for me to get comfortable with with the magnitude of the mission that I'm on. And it still took several years for me to have other experiences, working jobs that I um, was placed in. You know, I was, wasn't was attached to anything, so I moved. I, I had the freedom to be able to move from one job to the next. And so I got training in a lot of different areas, a lot of different industries, a lot of different people, situations, size, small groups, big groups. I produced television shows, radio shows, continued to play in a band, and so on and so forth. So I had a, a very large opportunity to just experience people and to see and respond and observe and think deeply about how to articulate myself so that I was really heard. And then I still had that last visage of, I have a lot to share, but you're going to reject me, that I was able to get in touch with and shift in that place so that I was able to become more available to whatever design was in store for me. And the people around me, um, the close friends that I've had, have accepted me. Uh, I mean, I transitioned in 1990 from Bruce to Zen, which was short for a name that I was given in meditation, of Zendor. And the, the wonderful thing is that I've really, it, it's never been an internal choice. Those things that I've questioned and wondered if they were real always showed up in the external world. So my friends started calling me Zen during the television show, and it just stuck, and that was almost 20 years ago. So the universe, God, creation, whatever you want to choose to call it, has supported me at every turn of this road, and especially when I was silent listening. So does that answer your question? Wow. No, because everything I can relate to, I don't believe in coincidences. And oh, I know exactly what yeah. you're saying. And I have the freedom to be able to say, I don't have to worry. I exactly. don't have to fear. Those things are issues that man puts on themselves. Mm-hmm. And I, and I just thank you very much for sharing tonight. And I'm, I'm just, I feel so very grateful that I was able to make the call because I know now that this week, in fact, is the whole attachment issue that you were just talking about has mm-hmm. been a very big thing that's, that's allowed me to do the same thing as you. I'm throwing my hands up in the air, and I'm like, okay, I will be patient. I will try to be more understanding of self and not really relying on those things that I thought I needed at one point. 
if you continue in the old way, I would imagine that your soul or higher self would rip your life out from underneath you of you in order to get you to your knees so you listen. One way or another. Yeah. I understand that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to all of us. You know, there's none of us and I have to say we are all equal in this. No one is special. Or we're all special? No one is special. Anytime you consider yourself to be special, that's the ego coming out saying, hey, look at me. We are humble servants. I wanted to just touch on something very quick um, that relates to uh, your question, Billy. And... um, Zen, you were talking about the discovery of self, and as you were talking about it, I wrote down uh, discovery of self leads to greater capacity for compassion for all that is. So as you discover more of who you really are, as you recognize more of who you really are, that increased capacity for compassion for all that is then also will be reflected back to you. So I think that, um, you know, possibly possibly as individuals we could be – you know when when we maybe on one level think that gee this all these changes and everything it's not going to be accepted people are going to keep me in that box i've always been in as you go through the process and open up and go through this experience and start dropping those things that no longer serve you the universe will smile back on you through those people in your life and everything else and i don't think um it's unusual, certainly it hasn't been in my life, that, you know, as you go through the, as I go through the paces as an individual and grow and um, expand who I am and everything, you know, there have been people in my life that have sort of fallen by the wayside, that, you know, at certain times were very close friends and then almost non-existent. And I think, um, you know, there's an aspect of, of that always going on. As your frequency changes, the resonant frequencies that you attract will change as well. And those that are no longer attracted to your frequency because you're not matching it will fall away. Right. I would like to make one distinction or at least offer or request a a consideration. Substitute what for who? Instead of who you are, what you are. Gotcha. Just consider that. Play with that for okay. a while. Toss it around, you know, throw it in a salad, see how it tastes. <laughs> I've got to, this is uh, the end of our call. We went over, a little bit over tonight, but um, certainly it was worth it. Um, Zen, your presence on this call the information as it flows through you always, without fail, creates some very big shifts in my perspective. And I am grateful for that. I um, am honored 
to have met you in the beautiful way I, I originally met you through my good friend Judy in Sedona. Yeah. And what has come out of this um, continues to feed my soul. Thank you so much for being um, on the call tonight and for sharing your story and even more. So um, it is I want to thank you. You as treasure. <laughs> And then to everyone that's on the call tonight and everyone that ends up listening to this at a later date, I thank you. And you are absolutely a beautiful part of my experience and serve to keep me moving forward and digging deeper to recognize what I am. <laughs> and... Um, I love the process, and I love all of you. Thank you so much for being on tonight's call. Make a difference in whatever it is you do in each and every moment. That is the gift that you have for humanity, the universe, and all that is. Thank you so much. Come back next week. We'll have a very exciting show for you. And in the meantime, just live your life from your heart with unconditional love and blessings for all. Thank you very much. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.